Welcome back to the No Name Football Podcast. Here as usual with my partner, nine-year NFL vet, K4, fullback in the flat expert. <laughs> <laughs> Big Cat just walked in. Big Cat, we got, Big we got, Cat walked in. We got, we got, microphone, we got extra microphone set up Big, if you ever want to jump in. We got Big extra Cat. microphones. Big Cat over your head on K4. Yeah, yeah, he walked by with a smirk. Here you go, Cat. If you want to sit in on this uh, on, first, Cat. first second segment. We're going to bait him in, guys. Hey, uh, uh, Come on, Cat. Let me, let me finish this introduction, though. Nine-year <laughs> NFL vet. Carmel Catholic head coach wearing uh, his Bears alumni T-shirt, Jason Mucky right here, Tempo got, Tough, in the and then in the blue corner, me, cat. in the blue crosses me. Hold man. on, I, I can get to I can get to his. Hold on now, Big Cat. Big Cat's going to join us here today yes, for sir. the first time on a No yes, Name sir. Football Podcast. Get him on here. Twelve-year NFL bet, mm. Cheney, Mighty Cheney. Mm. I forgot their mascot, Mighty Cheney. Uh, <laughs> defensive tackle there, drafted by George Hallis. I mean, mm. Nicka himself. Mm. Nicknamed, nicknamed Big Cat the day he arrived at Hallis Hall. Uh, J-Mac, think about this. Played D-tackle. Yep. They didn't even get a scholarship out of high school. Moved him to offensive line a couple years into his NFL career. Mm-hmm. 12-year NFL vet, Big Cat. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for joining us, Cat. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Yeah, you're on, on. You're on. on. You're on. Let me turn. Let me turn you up. Let me turn you up. We tried. We tried, we tried to bait you on here last week, but you like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. But you ran out of here. We couldn't. We couldn't wheel him back in, brother. We got him right hey, now. You know what he's I'll... thinking, right? Why do I have the short mic? I gotta give him. <laughs> I gotta give him the high mic. <laughs> he the, he's the biggest guy here. He got the small mic. Uh, <laughs> big cat. Man, What's up with you, man? Uh, uh, Green Bay week. Packers week. Uh, I know the first question most media people ask: any memories, any but. Um, what do you think about this Bears team going up there against Aaron Rodgers? Well, you have to be excited after, you know, the Bears were able to pull off a, a, a win that no one thought they were going to get against Arizona. You know, um, seeing them go out there and play in that torrential downpour and, and, and you know, be able to – the first half was ugly, but be able to make some adjustments in the second half, be able to play some disciplined football, you know, things we haven't seen in a while around here. So, you know, watching a little bit of the Green Bay game, I haven't had a chance to go over it, but it's – I mean, it's right there for them, but it's a tall task, and we all know it. It's funny, too, right, because we all say that, like because the two years was so bad, right, Jay, with, with Nagy. But in 2018 – they had 36 takeaways. Mm-hmm. They were in the playoffs. They did play that kind of football under Nagy his first year, but then it seemed like the standards slipped exactly. out of nowhere, right. right? But like you're right. saying, for, this team just seemed like they were going to fight to the end. And, and that's a good sign, Jay, because um, it's a new coaching staff. Like yeah. They got to buy in. Yeah, and like you said, Nagy, you have success early. And as you know, when when you have a new coaching staff, like when Nagy came in in, in, in that year and had, had success there, and the culture starts to slip when you when the wins like when the when the wins overshadow the details of what you're trying to implement, and when the wins overshadow your culture, things slip. And we saw what happened towards the end of his tenure. And then you bring in Eberflus, you know, he comes in, he wants to set the standard, his hit principle, you know, flying, physical, uh, fast to the ball, and all these things. And it's it's coach speak until you actually see it. And we saw that, you know, we've talked about it uh, throughout training camp. We saw you know, situations where the defense was flying around, the offense was flying around. But then you see it on game day where you have, like we talked about last week, brother, the offensive lineman, you 
you know, running down, picking up the running back, mm-hmm. picking up the ball carrier, uh, the defense flying around, forcing uh, takeaways and flying to the ball. And those are things that you have to implement each and every day, regardless of the success you have. Because once that culture slips, we know it's gone, gone. and it's hard to get it back. I think I think one thing that you know people don't look at is these guys are young. Yeah, they've got a young team right now, mm-hmm. and with a young team, sometimes you just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't know you're supposed to be the underdogs. You 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 look at the way things go in practice, and you look at the guys you have around you, and you're like, you know, we can do this. Yeah, and you know, you're not you're not looking at the you're not looking at the Packers thinking Aaron Rodgers. You know, oh, he owns Chicago. You're a young guy. You know, I wasn't here when that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that that yeah. doesn't that doesn't apply to me. So, I, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't care about your legend. Like I, that doesn't right. your legend True. doesn't right. apply to me. True. Um let, let, let's do it real fast. We have over 30 years of NFL football here. Let's give the listeners something that most people can't on their podcast and let's talk a little bit about playing in this rivalry. Like what it meant. Yeah. Uh, J-Mac, why don't you go first, man, about when you played, when you started to learn that playing Green Bay was important to the state of Illinois, to the city of Chicago, to all your neighbors who are like, we don't care if you win any games. <laughs> yeah. Just beat the Packers. Well, you know, growing up, you, you watch it, you know, watching NFL football on Sundays, you see the rivalry. You know, I've watched it, you know, a million times growing up and you're not living in the Midwest, but you know about, you know, how important the rivalry is. And then you actually, you know, you come here, have an opportunity to play for the Bears. And, you know, Green Bay week, everybody's talking about, you know, your neighbors, you got to beat the pack. You got to beat the pack. And then, you know, one of my neighbors is actually a Packers fan. So mm-hmm. when we would play Green Bay, you know, they would decorate my mailbox and just as a joke, <laughs> you know, just crazy stuff like that. So just knowing the the importance of the uh the rivalry and you know people telling us that I want you to know I would have done well with that joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, I would have. I would. No, you would. But but you know, like like people would say, you could you could have a losing season, but you got to beat the Packers. Yeah. We've heard that a million times. So it's just it's something about playing up there. I can recall you know taking the team bus from the the Appleton uh, what is it, the Appleton Hotel and and uh, over there in Appleton or whatever. But I remember taking the team bus going to, going to Lambeau Field, and then there's generations of hatred towards the Bears. So you're driving through the neighborhood and I remember looking was, out uh, was Rambo outside the bus th- throwing the football around he probably was <laughs> he probably was <laughs> R- Rambo was he always was. I was going to say did, did you ever meet well, Rambo or you uh, well, he, he would show up to the bus for a while now even when we yeah. left um, Platteville really he would show up in Appleton and okay. he was fully dressed in his Bears gear <laughs> and he was screaming out there just like he did oh, Cat, in, in, uh, okay. in Platteville but yeah I think J-Mac J- might have saw him probably, outside probably. he was outside the bus a lot yeah. oh, but it's, it's like generations of hate though man like you, you know you drive to, to Lambo and you see grandma and grandpa give me the finger and then you look over and it's like a kid in the stroller giving you a finger I'm like damn the kid don't you? like they're teaching the kid to give the bus the finger man like so I mean it's all it's all fun but I mean the passion is there the rivalry is there is there for sure uh I got lucky when when I got here I came in in 91 so a lot of you know the 85 guys were still here when I got here so it was still a very you know you, you didn't have a lot of free agency so you didn't have Steve McMichaels playing for the Packers yet you didn't have you know those guys that had moved on to the Packers well as many guys that had moved on but you know from from day 1 it was ingrained into the young players, you know, myself included, that, you know, 
life around here is a lot better when you beat the Packers. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, things are handed out to you. Things are given to you when Packer week goes well. Yeah. But In things, you mean beers. It, beers. <laughs> hey, beers, meals, you know, things. <laughs> maybe some young, tequila. Maybe <laughs> some tequila, right? Beers, wings, beers, all wings, kinds of right, stuff. Right. Things that a young player looks forward to. You know what I mean? I really didn't understand it when I got here, but, you know, as time went on, you got to see. And like you said, you know, living here, uh, living next door to people that are Packers fans, mm-hmm. living next door to people that maybe the husband's a Packer fan and the wife's a Chicago fan, and uh, just seeing how that week changes people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't have a big rivalry in college, you know, but going to a small college. What so is Cheney's mascot? I always a forget. Wolf. A wolf. Cheney Wolf. I knew wolf. it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Brother, you bad. The mighty wolf. Hey, right, right. He's terrible. He's horrible. We, we ain't been called yeah, mighty. Terrible. Yeah, he's terrible. He always, <laughs> do, he always dogs me about Temple <laughs> Tough. No, Temple's not so tough like like, come um, on, man. I, I, you know, I remember, Kat, and I, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you remember, but my first start was 98 against the Packers. And I remember Gilbert Brown lining up. And I remember oh, Reggie lining up Brown. on you, Reggie White. And I remember thinking, and you were talking about, like, being too young to know. And I just remember thinking, Reggie White is a big dude, man. Wow. I couldn't believe yes. how big that line was. It was uh, wow. Gilbert Brown, Reggie White, Santana, Dotson. Mm-hmm. And they were a good front, man. And, yeah. you know, it was back in the day when the – I forget the linebacker's name, but I think he was like 250. You remember what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, anyway, um, yes. so th- that was one of my games. And I always remember going to Walter Payton's funeral at Soldier Field. And and Hampton talking to us, mm. and then Brian Robinson blocking that kick out yes. of nowhere and winning that game, and the whole Brian Robinson story where Brian uh, showed up drunk and Dick, <laughs> Geron, Dick Geron told him J Map. He said, "Either make the play or you're off the team." Oh, he wow. blocked the field goal to win the game. Wow! And he looked at me and he goes, "I guess I ain't going tomorrow, Big O." And I said, "No, no, not not oh, you, man. Uh, not tomorrow." <laughs> but right. but like like you guys said, like it's an important game, man, because you 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 playing for the Chicago Bears. And it's important to the fans. So it should be important to you. And, right. and it takes a while sometimes. You'll hear guys say, like, oh, it's just another game. And yeah. we'll just play. But but you'll, if you stay here long enough, like us three, yeah. uh, you know, Cat played 12 years for the Chicago Bears, right? I was mm-hmm. here 13 years. Mm-hmm. You were here for a while. Um, it becomes really important. And because they've had, who the hell knows, 50-plus years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking, they're always oh, on the top man. of the division. Yeah. So yeah. beating them is pretty damn important, right? Yeah. So um, it, it's an important rivalry, man. I, I, that, that, I think, uh, Brian Robinson blocking that kick and then uh, Lovey's games in 2004 when we went up there, won the opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that was Erlacher and the boys were just dominating. Yeah. Uh, they, they were so damn yeah. good, man. Then I think it was the coldest game in Bears history with 2008, we went to overtime and beat them here. Yeah, it was here. That, that was front, man. That, that was a fun in. game. That was, it was cold, too. But even even still, though, you, you talk about, you know, times when we play. But even now, you know, my neighbors, the Bears lose to oh, the Packers. Yeah. My neighbors look at me like, what, what's the problem, man? What happened? I'm like, look here, man. I watched the game like you with beers and wings and stuff. I, I was sitting at home watching the game like you. I don't know I'm trying you to guys, figure out the like, same thing. I'll, I'll see, like, somebody in a – I won't see them, but someone will be like a Green Bay hat or jacket, and my kids will like tap me and be like, "Look at this guy." And I'm like, "Guys, like, like I don't want to go fight somebody. <laughs> like they're mad, like they're mad about the Packers jacket. You know what I mean? Hey, something you didn't even feel as though you were printed on them, but they they just got it honestly. Yeah. And like you guys know, like, oh man, we, like we raised them here. Like you raised your kids yep. here, Cat J Mac. You raised so they are. 
Yeah. Bears fans. Yeah. Huge Bears fans. Yeah. I mean, my boys called me from Illinois. They said, they're, you know, they're all watching the game in the football building screaming for yeah. the Bears. You know, you forget they are mm. huge yeah. Chicago awesome. Bears fans. So uh, a big week for the Bears. Uh, but as we get into the matchups, a big challenge. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Green Bay Packers are going to be a challenge. Jay, I'll start with you, man. Um, what do you think about this matchup for the Chicago Bears? And where do you think the key matchups are? Yeah, I mean, just looking at history, right? The Bears are... I think one, they've won one out of the last 10 meetings. They haven't won in Lambeau since, what did I write down, 2015. Gosh, I right? was hoping we weren't doing stats today. No, I just had to throw <laughs> yeah, this out I there. Know, bro, because I we're know. talking about we own you. You see and, me like melting while right, you're saying right. like, I, just, I had to do it though because, you know why? Because, you know, Cat <laughs> saying, Aaron Rodgers, he, we own you and all this stuff, they yeah. do. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to look at, you know, with, with Green Bay being whooped by Minnesota last week and the way they played. So I look at it like this, right? The secondary for Green Bay is, is a question mark, right? They gave up all those yards to Justin Jefferson. I mean, they were able to do whatever they want up there in Minnesota in the passing game. And that's something that we have, we've had trouble with. And we've got a lot of young guys, you know, in that wide receiver room. Uh, a lot of guys that stepped up last week, but we really need those guys to step up this week. You know, they got to make life easier for Justin Fields. We got to get him comfortable. You know, in terms of Getsy, the game plan, I would do something to get Justin Fields in rhythm early. You know, give him some easy throws. Like we talk about all the time, brother. Oh, the boots, the screens, all yes. that play action. Get him in rhythm early. But the main thing is, is the best friend for your quarterback is a solid running game. And we know David Montgomery didn't have a great day last week, but the good thing is we had a finally had a coordinator who was comfortable calling the runs because we know that's going to set up everything else. So I think, you know, getting Montgomery and getting Khalil Herbert involved and getting those guys, you know, the touches and the carries that they need in order to set up this passing game will help will help us uh, throughout the game because we know we're going to have to have some explosive plays up there in Lambeau in order to beat the Packers. So that's what I see. I see getting the running game going offensively and then making Fields comfortable so that way he can, you know, get these receivers involved. Yeah, I I think the matchup between Rodgers and the Bears secondary is going to mm-hmm. be very interesting. Um, you know, you've heard him talk a couple times during the offseason and after this game about, you know, his guys needing to make plays. And you know Aaron Rodgers is not going to be down for too long. So, yes, he had a bad game versus Minnesota, but some of the errors that the Bears made in the secondary this past weekend could get exposed if they're made again this weekend. And that and that's what worries me. And whether or not they're going to be able to generate a good pass rush against a average offensive line in Green Bay, Green Bay right now. You're right, with all their injuries. With all yes. their injuries. Yeah. I don't even know if they know who's starting on the right. offensive line yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. Um, I Very interesting is to see Luke Getze versus former coaching staff. Very interesting to see uh, mm-hmm. what Coach LaFleur, uh, Coach Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator. Very interesting to see hoping they don't put something on film like they know how to stop the Chicago Bears, right? Because they know all the concepts. They know all the details, right? Uh, Luke Butkus, uh, Dick Butkus, his nephew, is their offensive line coach. Um, he was Getsy's really good friend. So they all know each other yeah. so well. So really interesting to see this matchup yeah. between these two teams, Joe Barry versus Luke Getsy. Uh, see the adjustments. I thought Luke Getsy did a a nice job last week adjusting to somebody, D'Amico Ryan, who I have a ton of respect for, a defense coordinator for the 49ers, and just kind of running the ball, trying to protect his offensive line. I will go to 
with all my matchups, the coaching staff first, obviously. But then the Bears offensive line, the Packers defensive front is ferocious, man. They mm-hmm. may have lost last week, yeah. but those guys get after the quarterback with their first round picks. Uh, Gary Clark, Lowry. Lowry's a good bull rusher. He compresses the pocket. Preston Smith. Um, I don't know, Kat. I know you, you said you didn't, if you reviewed the film or not, but Braxton Jones really struggled one-on-one last week. Mm-hmm. So I'll be watching him this week, see if he's improved a little bit. First time he's on the road, Sunday night, crowd noise, noise, Kat. I, I mean, I'll ask you, man. The first time you're on the road, crowd noise, silent count, versus a pass rusher like Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith. Talk to us a little bit mm. about being a young tackle. Well, well, it's hard because, you know, one one thing that, you know, you always hear people talk about is the communication between linemen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a young lineman, being in that atmosphere, you've got a lot running through your head. Mm. And... You know, for as much technique and things as you do in practice, all that stuff kind of goes out the window in the game. And it's just, you know, fighting for your survival. That <laughs> is fighting flight right now, I know. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. I, I'm only laughing because I know, what, I mean, even at, I, I got to know I had the ball. And yeah. I was fighting for, and I, mm-hmm. I, that's why I can. That's why I, I mean, like. That's why I asked you, like, what does that feel like, man? Yeah, and and you're on an island out there, right? Right, and you're out there. You, you're you're kind of by yourself, and you know, it's like you and the four other guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're all tied into one, but oh, man, yeah, it's you know, you're a little further out, so it makes it a little harder to hear. Um, we really didn't do any much silent count when I was there, mm-hmm. but. You know, it was it was all about timing. And I remember when, when Olin first got there and we were all late. Every time he snapped the ball, we were late. We were like, why the heck are we late? But I like, dude, look, when he hears, huh, he's snapping the ball. <laughs> I was like, I was like, we're used to waiting to hear in the hut. <laughs> hey, that, that ball is moving on. <laughs> J-Man, it's a chess match. I was it's a chess match. trying to get them hands hey, on I, it. I, I was telling the older guys, like, stop playing hey, checkers. I know, right. I know. Hey, yeah. so, so, Jay, oh, in, man. In speaking about that, you know what the answer is going to be sometimes. It's going to be the chip. Yeah, and that's what I was going so to talk about, too. Talk to a little bit about the chip like you, running back. Or yeah, I mean, back. you got to know, and we and we did this all the time, we face a lot of great pass rushers. You know going into the game, like, our running back, Coach Spence, was like, hey, look here, man. If you get out without chipping that defensive end, I'm a body slam you. You know what I'm saying? So we know I'm looking. I'm looking to chip. I'm not even worried about my route. You know, if I had a flat route, that flat that flat route may look ugly because I'm chipping before I get out. You know what I'm saying? We know we got to help the tackles, uh, depending on who we're playing. So yeah, that was our main objective, having you know being able to do that. But also, I think our guy, our staff, did a good job of when we had, we face elite pass rushers of giving them different looks. You know, whether we're chipping with the back, chipping with the tight end. Running the ball, you know, right at that defensive end, um, running sque- screens in the, in the passing game with our running backs that we had. So it's just giving that defensive end something to think about, so we can't just line up and tee off on on the tackles and stuff like that. A back that can chip is a great advantage. Yeah, man, a back chip. that can't chip. Talk to us a little bit about how back can mess you up. And when, we, we, when we're saying chip for the listeners, mm-hmm. we're talking about when the back is, before he goes on his route, he helps the tackle out yep. on his way out to the route. Well, as a tackle, I was always taught, you know, Tony Wise was the guy who basically taught me how to play offensive line. But it was always inside leverage. When you're playing a guy like, let's say, take Reggie White, all right? You want to set inside leverage. The hump move 
works if you have inside leverage, but it doesn't work as well if you can keep that inside leverage. So I'm trying to keep my shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to leave a shoulder for the back to hit. Mm. 75% of the time, he hits that shoulder. <laughs> hey, 25% of the time, he hits you in the back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the only, the only th- you have to know when a chip is coming. Mm-hmm. Because even if I'm setting on inside leverage, I would have loved to have played with you. But I also know if you've got a good head of steam going and you catch that shoulder just yeah. right... I could lose him to the inside just yeah. from your momentum mm. of hitting him and spinning him back inside. And that's why I didn't really like chips a lot because I always wanted to stay inside. So, yeah, I'm going to leave that shoulder out there for you to hit. But if I can stay inside and I know where the quarterback is, that was one thing that was taught to me early as far as know whether it's a three-step drop, know whether it's a five-step drop, know whether it's seven, because now I know where I can push the defensive end to. Yeah, and yeah, and like you said too, is is as a back, like our thing when we're chipping, we never we never want to cut the tackle off. You know, we never wanted to cut him off. And, you know, our thing was when we're going out to chip, it was, you know, we always would aim for the ribs. Right. That was our thing. We trying to aim for the ribs. You get them guys that just want to shoulder f- pat? Shoulder pat into the ribs or shoulder, your hands? I'm trying to I'm trying to Bone put my shoulder pat shoulder right pat. into his ribs. But it goes back to the communication like you were talking about with the offensive line, like in the huddle. With our guys, I'm telling Big John Tate, I'm telling Big Fred Miller, hey, hey, big guy, I got your chip. I got your chip. We would never chip inside of the tackle. It's always outside of the tackle. So for you young backs out there listening, do, you don't chip inside. You always chip outside of the tackle and don't cut them off. So, you know, we chip on our ass. So as I'm going out to run my route or whatever it is, you know, I'm coming out and I'm really looking if there's a, if there's any piece hanging off of that tackle, ideally you want to hit him in the ribs, but I'm just trying to hit him because, you know, they're teeing off on you in the run game, you know, all day. And that's our opportunity to get them back, you know, to get a cheap shot in on the way out running our route. <laughs> so you got I me, mean, you get a chance to knock off one of the ends, you know, I'm trying to light them up if I can. Well, for, for the listener, like, you want to watch that this week, right? You want to yeah. watch, do they work well together? Cause yeah. like you guys are saying, even if you have a chip, is it working? Right. Is the chip working? Are they working together? And it made me think right now as you three guys who try to help, I try to help J-Mac coach and you coach like mm-hmm. Forrest Cat. Good luck against Libertyville tonight. Carmel Catholic. Um, you, you, I'm thinking to myself like, I've never seen it drilled. Why don't we drill the chip? Yeah, right? see, we, we drill it, but we don't drill it with, with the tackle. tackle. Yeah, right? that's yeah, what I'm, that's we, what I'm saying. Exactly. We never like, drill it with the tackle. It's almost right. like a double team, right? Right. You've got a drill double team. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. Anyway, the last thing I, I, I'm worried about this week is their run game. Mm-hmm. Is the Green Bay Packers run game. I think they're inside three. No matter who starts, it's going to be better than the 49ers inside three. I think they'll be better at picking up those stunts that Coach Eberflus and Allen Williams like to run against the run last week. That's how they slowed the 49ers down a little bit. They were running a lot of stunts. 49ers center, for whatever reason, didn't recognize them, and they didn't pick them up. So mm-hmm. um, I was talking to Brad Biggs earlier this week, and I told him, I said, you remember when Akeem Hicks was out, they rushed for like 180. Mm. And, Eber, and yeah. Coach LaFleur said, after the game, he said, we had one plan for if Akeem Hicks played, and we had another plan for Akeem Hicks doesn't play. Akeem Hicks yeah. is not playing. Right? Nicholas, <laughs> Morrow, yeah. uh, <laughs> Nicholas Morrow wasn't great at middle linebacker last week. Uh, Roquan Smith flying around, but looked a little lost. I'm worried about that run game, Cat. I'm worried about that run game. The Packers run game versus the Bears. They get that going. Man, they got it. And Aaron Rodgers' play action pass is going to be dangerous. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you and you know the Packers are a team that will stick with that run once they get it going. Yes, yep. Uh, because everything for them works better when they're running the ball. So, yeah, that that that's going to be a tall task, and you know it, it's. It's kind of like when you're, you know, watching the, a smaller defensive line. You know, I think you're going to get a lot of movement. Pirate, you, right you're going to gonna pirate, get those yeah, guys, yeah. you know, slanting into different gaps yep. and running stunts with the linebackers, just trying to get a little confusion up But as front. you know, Cat, like if we recognize it and we make our calls and like, you know, trios, Big zones, gaps. huge gaps. Big gaps. Yeah. yeah. And you look at, I mean, the Packers, what they did well against Minnesota, like you said, brother, they did, they did run the ball and they got a two-headed monster. You got uh, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and, you know, the scheme will be familiar with the Bears because guess he's kind of running the same thing. But, I mean, Aaron Jones, the, the Packers run that outside zone to perfection with Aaron Jones. I mean, he really presses that ball into the heels of the offensive lineman before he makes his cut to get them linebackers to flow over the top. And then they bring in a change of pace guy. AJ Dillon goes about 250. You know, he can, he can also, I mean, he's a big, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, big and he's athletic too to where he can run the outside zone, yes. but then they'll also run him inside zone as well to change yeah. it up. So it, it's going to be tough, you know, especially with the way Aaron Rodgers really sells that play action off of outside zone and they'll pull that ball and they should know you got a receiver running wide open downfield. So, you know, one thing I think, that you know would be interesting to see is the Bears defensive coordinator Allen Williams has he been in Coach Getsy's office like hey mm. is there any keys you can give me is there any tips you can give me is there any any tendencies that you can give me about Aaron Rodgers I mean because there's ties all over this game we yeah, look at I it like it. It's, he's, oh, he's yeah. really good yeah, that's it. Right. So give me a clue. Give me something. Uh, what he uh, struggles he's really with. Really good. Yeah, like man. hey, uh, he's at league. Like, hey. But they, they, they talk, you know what I mean. I, I like, think Coach Flew said this week that they have been meeting. They should they've been man, talking they about. Better, it. They better um, have been meeting. One undercover matchup uh, that I'm going to be watching is Mercedes Lewis. Their huge tight end versus the Bears defensive ends versus versus Robert Quinn versus Muhammad. Because if he gets them, if he seals that edge. They're gonna run the ball all day long against, yeah. and then that's when you like Mercedes Lewis is bigger than both of them. Yeah, he's a, so yeah. he's like another tackle out there. Right. They use him yeah. like a tackle, right? Yeah. So um, I'm gonna be that's a that's kind of a little bit of a matchup. Uh, I'll be watching. We've been talking a lot on this podcast, Jay, about the Bears need to find themselves a tight end like that if they want to be an outside zone team. Definitely. You got to seal the edge. I mean, yeah. so Ryan Griffin looked pretty good last week, but I think that matchup right there and interior three. Well, the Bears defense run defense. Uh, a little suspect this week. So we <laughs> shall see. But, but you know, if Robert Quinn can dominate the left tackle, we know Bakhtiari is out. Uh, we can get, you know, last week he went against Trent Williams. Yeah. We didn't see him much. A lot of guys you don't see much when they go against Trent Williams. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Cat, right. man, thanks for joining us for – for uh, Cat's going to be a regular contributor. Big Cat. We're going to steal him all the time now. Yeah. Big Cat. The mighty Cheney Wolves <laughs> joining us go. today. Uh, Here you go, Cat. Here you go. Hey, we'll hey, get, nothing I can do about that one, bro. <laughs> and we'll get to our next segment. Looking for a taste of the islands? Look no further than no foods. That's NOH Foods of Hawaii. No Foods was developed to reflect the many international cultures and races of the islands. Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Portuguese, Filipino, and more. Known for the wide variety of delicious seasoning and sauces. The products of No Foods can make anyone a master chef in their own kitchen. Easy to prepare and delicious in flavor are the hallmarks of No Foods. Again, that's NOH of Hawaii. 
dishes like Chinese beef broccoli, Korean barbecue, Filipino adobo, Hawaiian Kahlua pork, and many, many more. Don't forget about the refreshing and very popular Hawaiian iced tea, sweetened with raw cane sugar and just the right touch of lemon. You can find NOH Foods online at Amazon.com and NOHfoods.com, also in many stores and supermarkets. As we say in islands, say yes to no. Aloha. All right, Jay Magman. Uh, last week we talked about the Maine East football team and, and them getting that first win. How impressed we were with the perseverance they showed uh, uh, through a 42 game losing streak, still working on winning. Yep. Uh, we talked about how we want to get a, a coach on our, yeah. our podcast, high school coach, how to feature high school football teams. Yep. And you said to me, well, who would be better than the Maine East football coach? So we got here with us, joining us on our podcast today, uh, Coach Bob Winkle. Uh, coach, I before we get to your win, I see you were a part of that Northern Illinois team that played in the Orange Bowl. Uh, tell us a little bit about your career uh, getting to Northern Illinois. I, I couldn't find what high school you went to. I wanted to know what high school you played football at uh, and then talk to you about a little bit Northern Illinois and how you actually got to be the Maine East head football coach. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, yeah, I was a part of the Northern Illinois uh, Orange Bowl team, like you said. We actually this Saturday have our 10-year reunion for that. So awesome. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've seen some of the guys, so I'm excited for that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I went to Marmion uh, Academy in Aurora, mm-hmm. um, played football there, um, was playing football since I was in third grade for Tri-City Chargers. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was at uh, Marmion, you know, I, I got recruited by some D1 schools, some, uh, you know, D2, D3, decided that I definitely wanted to play D1, so I walked on at uh, Northern, um, went through three different head coaches, so kind of had to grind my way through um, through the four years there, um, and then once I finished there, uh, the head coach at East Aurora at the time was Kurt Becker, um, and Kurt was one of my coaches when I was at Marmion. Um, he was our offensive line coach and he reached out to me, just said, you know, you know, you looking to get into coaching. And, uh, he brought me on the staff as their linebackers coach, um, for a year. And then I was the D coordinator there for, uh, three more years before I got the head coaching job here at Maine. So Kurt was a, a big help in my career and getting me to where I am today. I wouldn't be here without him. And it, it's pretty cool because. Another one of our coaches uh, who was on that staff and was our offensive coordinator my last year there is Nick Kukoc, and he's now the head coach at East Aurora. So mm-hmm. Kurt was a big, uh, big stepping stone for all of us. And, you know, now, now I'm here at East and, and working with the boys in my fifth year. Yeah, coach, uh, you know, NIU, my son, my son played there too. So, you know, we were part of the NIU Huskies family for a long time. A, a, a great, great campus, a great program up there, obviously having a lot of success. So I know my son enjoyed it there and I see you're a fellow alum as well. Uh, let's talk about, you know, in the beginning, when you took the when you took the job at Maine East, being a new head coach, the challenges uh, that you faced. What are some of the things that you did to help implement your culture, the type of uh, standard and expectation that you were trying to set in terms of your playing style and and what you expected from your kids, you know, on the football field, but also in school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, our mantra since I got here, and one of the first things that I implemented was be uncommon. So when you look at our Instagram, our Twitter whatever social media you may see, everything has hashtag be uncommon. 
Um, and that's our mantra in terms of be different than the group that came before you. Um, so in my five years, there's always been strides forward, whether they're small victories in terms of like the numbers that we may have in the program or at summer camp or kids doing the right thing in the classroom. Uh, you know, my first year uh, here at East, we had in the second week um, of the season, we had 16 kids who were ineligible academically. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we are now in week, we're going into week five. And through all the weeks, I have zero kids on my varsity football team who, who have been ineligible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one of the huge things for me. And one of the things that I constantly preach uh, to our players that, you know, I have, you know, two kids who have played college football, zero kids in the NFL, but we have over 500 kids that I've coached in my lifetime that are going to be fathers or members of the community someday. Mm-hmm. So it's my job to make them good ones. Coach, talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, the perseverance that your team had to show uh their last win was in 2017 before you guys got that win against Round Lake. Talk to us about looking at them every day at practice and asking them uh, to believe in the things you're teaching them, to just keep doing it, and, and the win will come, and it'll all be worth it. Absolutely. You know, it, it's amazing to see these boys come back year after year. Um, you know, some of those guys who are seniors this year, you know, through their three years prior to this year had zero wins. Um, and to come back and practice every single day, to me, it's just amazing. Um, a lot of people don't realize a lot of the adversity that these kids go through, whether it's, you know, being homeless or not having food to eat or not having, you know, uh, a bunch of clean clothes or only having one pair of shoes um, or cleats, um, things like that. Our kids go through a lot. And so to see them come to practice every single day, you know, people ask me, you know, how do you, how do you continue to coach after four years of not getting away? I said, uh, it's a lot easier for me than it is these kids. And if these kids can continue to show up every single day and they're the ones putting in the hard work physically and mentally, then I can show up and coach and support them and be there for them. Yeah, coach, a lot of people don't realize, and I had to learn this too, you know, being a new head coach is, you know, the X's and O's is easy in terms of implementing <laughs> yeah. a scheme, you know, yeah. and, and going out there coaching practices, everything that comes along with it as a high school coach, you know, you're the equipment manager, you're the, you're a father figure, you're a mentor, you know, you're designing a strength, you're the strength coach, you know, it's a lot of things that, that are involved that, that, that people don't realize. So, you know, on our podcast, we always like to highlight coaches and I commend, you know, all of you guys on making a difference in these, in these young men's lives. You know, it, it goes, you know, we're not going to let it go unnoticed and it shouldn't. So we want to definitely, you know, continue to highlight that. But, you know, you, you coming out being a head coach, who was, who was some of the coaches that influenced you? Do you, did you, some of the coaches that you had in the past, did you take bits and pieces of all their coaching styles or were there, or was there just one? A coach that you looked at and said, you know what, I like his style of coaching. I want to uh, model my coaching style after his. There's there's a few. Um, you know, and first, definitely would be my dad. He was my first coach ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have him come out, I, you know, he used to work every day and you'd see him, he'd be changing in his car as he'd roll up to practice, whether he was early or late. Um, but he, he would always be there for me. And I think that's something that's you know, guided the way for me in terms of always being there for my kids um, and always supporting them. Um, and then my high school coach, Dan Thorpe, uh, who's still the head coach at Army Academy. Um, he's someone who really influenced me in terms of just showing the love that he has for his players. Um, and the relationship that I developed with him as a player and then now as a coach uh, goes so far beyond that um, of just coaching. 
um, you know, it, it's, it's truly a, a friendship and he's someone who has supported me throughout my career. Um, so that definitely influenced me. Uh, I touched on Kurt Becker earlier, you know, him putting his neck out there for me. And that's what I try and do for my players. Um, and then lastly, one of them who really uh, influenced me is Dave Doran. Um, when he coached me in college, he was a guy who, you know, every college coach swears here and there, but when he walked in the room, if he, if he dropped an F-bomb, it burned into your soul because he was someone who you just respected. And, and he demanded that respect, but at the same time, he had a way of touching your life in a way that wasn't just, you know, a drill sergeant. He, he made you feel like you were cared about, sort of like a father figure, um, but on the football field. And, and it was just, that's what I try and do with my players. Hey, Coach, uh, talk to us a little about you went through the coaching staff. Who's been critical for you there at Maine East, uh, either, you know, around the building, uh, people who have just stuck with you through all of this, and you feel like really helped that team get you that first win? Yeah, um, you know, first first and foremost, I, I, I have two coaches on my staff who have been with me since the very first um game and day of my career and that Bob Friel, he coached me at Marmion. He was one of our lower level coaches at Marmion when I was there playing um, and then he came along with me here and he's my head fresh soft coach. Um, and then John Lesniak who he actually, he went to Maine South and him coaching here was his first coaching job ever um, and he's moved his way up the ranks from being just a fresh, fresh soft coach to being our uh, varsity pass game coordinator Um and then I've got a couple guys who I've brought along with me along the way that have, you know, either coached me or coached with me throughout my career um, that have, you know, supported me the whole time, but it bounced around and, and hopped in places. Um, and then in the building, you know, just, just all the teachers that I teach with, um, I, I teach special ed here. So they, they really support me um, as well as our administration. Um, they really have our back. We got a new principal this year and it's, pretty cool to see because she has not missed a game yet this season Mm -hmm. um and and i don't know how many principals you know out there don't miss a single football game whether it's home or away so kudos to her and and i really appreciate her support Mm -hmm. yeah coach you you talked about when we first started this interview you talked about numbers in terms of participation in football and that's something that's that's been a struggle for all these programs throughout you know chicagoland and illinois Uh, what are some of the things that you do you know, to kind of recruit kids in your building to come out for football? Like, what are some of the strategies that you implemented to help get these kids out there playing football? Yeah, um, you know, one thing that's helped me as time's going on, for sure, is having more coaches in the building. Um, so seeing these kids on a daily basis and building that relationship with them, um, you know, that's super important because I can honestly say, you know, this is my third year physically being in the building, technically second with kids here every day because of COVID. Um, but I, I feel that I have stronger relationships with my players and they're able to then develop relationships with students, you know, in the building and encouraging them to come out for football. Um, and then also one of the big things that I try and do is, you know, incentivize our players in terms of, you know, motivating them. Hey, you know, for the summer camp, you know, anybody who doesn't miss more than a day, cause I get it. Things happen. You might miss a day. Maybe who doesn't miss more than a day in the past, we've taken to a uh, taken them to a white next game. Um, you know, all our coaching staff and, and just treating them to a day or going mini golfing um, or just doing things like that um, to, to kind of incentivize them and, you know, let them know that all the hard work that they do is appreciated and make them feel celebrated a little bit. Uh, even, you know, if it's not in the style of a victory, 
um, there's other victories that can't take place. Well, Coach, we were happy and, and honestly humbled to feature you as our first coach on a no-name football podcast. Uh, guy who teaches special ed, guy who coaches football mm-hmm. uh, in the community, changing people's lives, me and J-Mac. Uh, we don't like football. We love it. Uh, every, everything I, we have is from it, and, and guys like you are the guys who keep the game going. So uh, good luck this week against Maine West. Um, we know you got those boys ready to play, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for the support of our boys in our program because I know it means a lot to me and a lot to them. So, All right, thank Coach. you guys. Good luck tonight. Hey guys, it's Olin Cruz, and I want to tell you about Tequila Embajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Whether it's celebrating a big win or just kicking back after work, adding tequila in Bajador takes every gathering to the next level. The care, quality, and patience put into each and every bottle of tequila in Bajador can be tasted from the first sip to the last. And it's why we're honored to call them our teammates. Go to their website, embajadortequila.com, and use the code Kick off 10 and receive your discount on your next purchase of Tequila Embajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Well, that does it for our show today on the No Name Football Podcast. We thank all of our listeners for listening and supporting us on all the social media platforms. Make sure you download our podcast. We're on all the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your choice is. Make sure you download it. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Give us a rating if you like. Hopefully, it's a five-star rating. But if not, give us a rating anyway. Uh, we like your uh, feedback and criticism, that uh, things we can improve on upon our show. But before we go, as usual... Man, I want to suit up right now. In the words of the great Mike Brown, you guys keep making plays in life, and we'll keep making these great podcasts for you. We're out, and we'll see you next time, Chicago. Take care. God bless. Mahalo.